0: Uh, You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. My name is Tom Coulth. I'm a composer, um, and we're at the Jerwood um, Rehearsal Studios in London, where we're rehearsing an opera that I've written um, with a playwright called Alice Birch, and it's called Violet. And we are in our uh, third week of rehearsals, or second week of of sort of staging it. Um, And, yeah, it's going wonderfully well it's lovely to to finally be here and uh, be making this piece tell me what the opera is about um so the opera is about a village um, that is a very parochial and insular village that sort of runs runs like clockwork and every every um they sort of revere the idea of clocks and their 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 clockkeeper and their their clock tower and uh, one day, hours start falling off of their day. They start losing hours from their day. So on day one, um, the hour between midnight and one just didn't happen. Uh, the clocks changed their, uh, the, the arms of the clock just moved in a split second. The light slightly changed. Um, on day two, two hours are missing. On day three, three hours are missing, then four, then five. And so the, the opera is told over 24 Increasingly short days, so that the well day 23 is what is just one hour long. It's just the hour uh, between 11 and, and midnight, and then after that, that's poof, no more time. <laughs> so it's it's sort of about the um, the end of time and space in a way, but in in this sort of small village and mostly told from a single kitchen. Um, Violet herself is uh, is a sort of central character. She's uh, rather than the the rest of the village are very um, terrified and uh, and you know anguished about this. Violet is quite elated in a way, and exhilarated. She's she's very bored and very unfulfilled, and and sees things in a different way to people and uh, you know, it, it is still terrifying, and it might mean the end of her and everyone and everything she knows. But at least something's happening. So this is this is sort of what the opera's about. My eyes light up when you tell <laughs> <Yeah>. me that. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's sort of about what she does. It's sort of about what you know, how anyone in the village spends. You know, how would you spend your last few days, hours, um, if that's going to be the end of everything? How do they discover that? time is being lost um, Violet is the one who discovers first she's up late unlike most people and and sees the the clock just move in a, in a split second um, but she's she's the only one that sees that but quite quickly the next scene is on day three and clearly everyone has now clocked this uh, <laughs> <Boom>. sorry uh, <laughs> I get the impression you said that a lot. I uh, that's original. <laughs> to be honest actually that's the first to- that's the first time it hasn't come up yet. Um but I haven't actually seen a rehearsal of seen one yet so that's probably why it's not, it's not come across. Anyway, it's it's um yeah so it 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 clearly becomes very very clear and that it, because it starts eating up um the early hours of the morning eventually after about six days it starts eating up the hours of daylight as well so the the days get shorter but there's less light um it becomes extremely obvious to the village by day 20 or so there's now no more hours of daylight we're in perpetual darkness you have that rare thing where you
1: have benefited from the pandemic because i know of you solely because your opera was postponed because of the pandemic, and so for me, I think that you have this this rare treat of being able to capitalise on
0: it because it was postponed. Um, yeah, it didn't. I, I had it didn't feel like that at the time. No, I had no, no, I no. had quite I had quite a bumper a bumper year ready in in 2020, um, and so it was it was quite. Diff- I had this this postponed. I had a, a big violin concerto postponed, um, and various other other things um, that I was really excited about. So it, it was it was quite difficult um, and quite a sort of punch in the gut. Um, but luck, luckily, you know, what I was worried about, which was that things would get forgotten about or, or watered down or, or never happen. Um, luckily, they have sort of one by one been rearranged and this is actually the last uh, the last 2020 piece to, to happen. So yeah, it, it, this... One has been uh, basically pushed back almost exactly two years. Um, so, and yeah, it's. And even before its premiere, it, it has now, as
1: a result, earned its moniker, Much Anticipated.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'd... I don't know if I. I don't see one. I don't appreciate that one so much. <laughs> but um, does that scare you when sort of, you hear that? Then sort of long-awaited this kind of thing. It's not, It's a. It's a bit nonsense. It. It. It, it has been um, long-awaited by me.
1: <laughs> does that mean that you you approach these rehearsals with less trepidation, more excitement, more anticipation, or is it just the project is finally underway, so we're doing the
0: job? Um, I think the the thing that means I'm. Quite a lot more relaxed in this than I am in, w- w- with some pieces. I think. Uh, well, one of them is, is it, one the reason is because it's an opera. You you sort of spend actually an amount of time on the music that is unheard of in concert music. Normally, you know, if I write an orchestral piece or whatever, then it's it's you turn up. You maybe have two two days where you can turn up and that's for the whole programme so you might be slotting into that at various different times and then it's the gig and so no one really has enough time to sort of let the, the thing breathe but this actually is is rather lovely because we um, have some time to spend with it so I, I'm sort of quite a lot more relaxed but the other thing is that being I, I was a very good boy and I finished it well in advance of the 2020 uh, uh, performances so my, I, I actually finished it right, just around Christmas uh, 2019 uh, so it's it's been done a long time like it's been finished. You really did get your homework in early didn't did, you because it, did. it meant for premiering at, at the Opera Festival
1: in 2020.
0: Um, yeah so I, I, I finished it about six months in advance um, which you know was help, was going to be helpful for singers and, uh, and everyone. Great Um Great. Uh, this afternoon, they're rehearsing uh, Day 13, which is quite a, a long, tense dinner um, where Felix, who's the sort of um, a town official, who's our male lead, um, has invited around the clockkeeper, um, the town's clockkeeper, to sort of demand of him what's going on.
1: Dear, that you quite that you're a bit of a planner I mean if you basically if you get your homework in six months early that suggests that you're very good at planning you probably like dealing with small chunks of time there's something about time that I I wonder
0: whether that is what appealed to you about this story um, yeah I can I, I, I do have a planning side um, and yeah what appeals I mean the, the other thing is that the the idea of having fewer and fewer hours in your day um, I think strikes a certain terror into any modern person (laughs) you know if people are you know as as beings of late capitalism whatever you know the idea of of, you know we struggle with our 24 but if we if we have fewer and fewer that, that has a certain visceral terror I think So yeah, it was was an appealing um, concept for a thing. And but then that that kind of the mechanics of it really appealed to me musically, and and all the sort of you know things about clocks and and time is is very rich and fertile musically. But um, the way that Alice kind of imbued it with with all this sort of character and humanity, and and the way way people relate to one another, and and the way the, the Uh, the sort of systems of the town are upended I think was just really beautifully done How did it change you? Um, Writing the opera Um, well it's it was the longest thing it's it's the longest thing I've ever written Um, so it I, I sort of changed over the course of, of writing it naturally because it took me quite a long time to do. Um, about a year and a half. It wasn't the only the only thing I was working on, but but that was the sort of um, the bulk of the time spent on it. Um, I don't know. I tried I tried some new things in it, and um, the the as the. As the opera goes on and as the, as the composition process went on, I, I think I, I was trying more and more new th- things that I sort of hadn't tried before um, in, in my music. So that was quite fun. Um, I also, I wrote this, this is quite a, a sort of... Uh, it took a hell of a lot of composing, and there's, there's a lot of moving parts, and it's quite sort of complex in many ways. And at the same time, I, I was writing this this rather large uh, violin concerto, and it, I guess both of those writing both of those changed me in that the the, um, the next pieces I wrote were very small and simple. <laughs> uh, I fancied that. Well, partly that's that was because the. The the pandemic suddenly hit hit as well. So small was suddenly so helpful. Concision suddenly yeah. became a concision priority. And and so, solo instruments. But uh,
1: but after having spent so long writing something so complex or that had complex parts, um, did you find concision easier? Um, it's a bit like flexing muscle, I imagine that when you if you pour a lot of energy into something large scale and then you return something small scale, then suddenly the small scale is easier to write?
0: Yeah, there was an element of that, but also, you know, the, the, the wild card is that the pandemic came along and changed everything anyway. So, you know, you, I think everyone, it was changed quite a lot at that, at that point in time.
1: Do you think, creatively speaking, do you think that change is permanent?
0: Or are we reverting? Uh, I can only speak for myself. I'm trying out new things. So there's... there's because, this, because Violet was written quite a while ago, there's, there's parts of it that I guess if I were doing it now, I would do differently. But that's not the same as I wish I'd done it differently. I'm very, very happy with uh, what I did. But the next opera, if it comes, I, I'll do something... Quite different, and that because that'll be more fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Will I hear in rehearsals or indeed in performance?
0: Will I hear visceral terror? Um, uh, I'd imagine there's there's yeah there's a bit of visceral terror there's um, but but it's not. At the same time as the, the, that, that being the sort of subtext or backdrop, that it's 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 essentially still a, a domestic scene, and there's a lot of quiet stuff, and or there's a lot of intimate stuff as well. Um, so it's not, you know, it, it, if it was a if it was an enormous um, sort of you know main stage at Covent Garden with an enormous chorus or whatever you know that you could do a version of this story where you have an enormous chorus full of villagers looking up at the sky and and you know these these sort of big set pieces but that's uh, for practical and aesthetic reasons um that's not what we wanted to do at all and so it's it's actually quite a um, a small maybe um uh, Claustrophobic version. Um, So it's not sort of screaming. There is there is some screaming and shouting, but it's not um, it's not that kind of constant visceral terror. I wasn't I wasn't necessarily checking
1: to to see whether I would be frightened. I was just interested in the words uh, and how that sort of how those words resonated with you and whether I would hear that reflecting the music. Was it written for
0: Snape in mind? Um, yes, yeah. It was, it, yeah. It was. It was commissioned by um, by Snape and uh, Music Theatre Wales. So it was always going to be. Um, it was going to open an Opera Festival and then go around on tour. But in terms of composition,
1: when you're at the compositional stage, are you thinking about the venue?
0: Um, to an extent, yeah. I mean, I think that the. the we knew fairly early on that that's where it would be, but no, we didn't sort of start it like that. Um, and yeah, and and also the, the the precise venues that it's it's going to are, are, have sort of changed a bit um, in the process.
1: But does that influence compositional choices?
0: Not hugely. I mean, well, okay. The knowing that it's it, at one at, at one point it was going we were. Potentially going to do it in the smaller space at, at Snape with the Britain Studio, and fairly early on it, it, um, we decided it would be in the main uh, hall, and that does change things a bit because you, you you need to make a big enough sound yeah. at least it can't it, you know it can't be a, it can't be a it's tiny a much bigger stage yeah 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 I mean, it's it's the, we're not using the entire yeah. I think that there's there's sort of um, What's the phrase? Oh, uh, uh, um, it's it's, sli- it's, it's slightly boxed on. in, okay. um, so it's, which, because it's going on tour, the size of stages are, are, are a bit are different from one another. Um, so it's, it's slightly boxed in, so the, the, the stage space is not the entirety of the Snake Melting's stage. Uh, what are you most proud
1: of in this? Oh, that's a rotten question to ask. Um, think.
0: <laughs> I think. I think. I think. I'm, I'm most proud of some of the stuff towards the end, in the last sort of third of the thing. It, as the the hours drop off, and as things become very much stranger in the in the in the the, the opera's world, um, I've tried to make the, the the music itself get stranger, and the, the and things to slightly drop off the. And drop off and curdle, and and so the the, the music starts to uh, you know the, around halfway through there's the first uh, out of tune, slightly out of tune notes, and um, things get a bit sparser and um, they're just gradually a bit more desiccated and odd uh, towards the end, and I, I quite enjoy how how that sort of Shaped, visceral, curdled,
1: and desiccated—they're <laughs> they're the words that really linger for me. What was the last book you read
0: and enjoyed? <laughs> um, what was the last? Oh, the last book I read was a um, book called uh, *He Used Thought as a Wife* by uh, Tim Key, who's a comedian and poet, and those are, uh, and it's sort of. Um, Poems and little imagined dialogues of uh, the first lockdown, um, and I'd never thought I'd want to to read a, a lockdown uh, book or consume any kind of lockdown uh, pieces of art at all. But I enjoyed it immensely.
1: <laughs> what, what drew you to Tim Key? What what appeals to you about Tim? K?
0: Oh, he's. Um, He's a he's a very appealingly odd man, I think, and he has he has a gorgeous turn of phrase, um, and yeah, I've always I've always enjoyed um, sort of seeing his his um, his his poetry because it, it it just has a a very um, a very strange way of behaving. <laughs> So Viola is opening at the Olbr festival um, on the and it's it's on the opening night of the festival, the 3rd of June, and then again on the 5th of June. Um, it's then at the Sherman Theatre, Cardiff, uh, on the 8th of June, uh, uh, Theatre Clwyd and Mold in 19th of June, Hackney Empire in London, 23rd of June, and Buxton International Festival on the 18th of July.
1: June and July is going to be packed, isn't it? Although I imagine by that stage you're just like sat in
0: the audience, are not you? Yeah. My, I mean, I'll, I'll just sort of turn up. I'm, uh, Drunk. Most of the gigs. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the advantage of being a, a composer, not a performer, is you can have a, a drink to calm your nerves. Before All you. that's required is that you can stand up at the end. Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: <laughs> You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast presented by John Jacob. Follow Thoroughly Good on Twitter, at
0: thoroughlygood, Good. Thoroughly underscore good on Instagram, and thoroughlygoodme Good me on Facebook.